Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace and peace to you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, who is the light of the world. Amen. Today being the second Sunday in this season of Advent, we are focused on the theme of preparing in the light. Pastor Jeff Backer will Advent deliver this morning's sermon. The church calendar year Let's and have it is a time customary of silence for us for to reflection. begin on this Sunday with the appointed gospel text that we will emphasize for this next year, which as you heard today is from Mark. In the Synoptic Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospel of Mark starts in a unique way as compared to the others. Mark was not written as a biography. It does not contain an ancestral accounting that we hear like from Matthew and Luke. It seems that Mark really doesn't need to explore Jesus' pedigree in order to validate who he is or his authority. Mark does not concern himself with the birth story of either Jesus or John either. It seems that he's less concerned about telling you who Jesus was, but quickly gets to what Jesus was about, what his mission and ministry was in the world. The Gospel of Mark starts in a way that is to tell you that what he's about to say is both important and was anticipated before the time of Christ throughout all of human history. Because you see, the Jewish people had been told about the one that was to come throughout their history, even since the time of Adam and Eve's expulsion from the garden. The foretelling of the one that was to come is the red thread that flows through the entire history of God's people as well as the Old Testament, especially in the telling of the creation story, the fall into sin, and God's ever-present and steadfast promise which has held all people for all time. Mark also seems to get to the point in a hurry, getting to the main point of what Jesus had come to do, and that is his cross and his glorious resurrection. And he grabs our attention in this way, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As Mark's gospel was believed to have been an oral tradition that was written down some 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, Mark prepares us to hear what is important for our understanding and for the knowledge of the events of that time. And he gets to the point rather quickly. He does not dwell in details, but keeps the facts that must be known at the forefront of his writing. But he does start with a common pattern we hear in other biblical writings. That from Genesis and from the Gospel of John. He begins with the Bible's version of once upon a time with the beginning. He validates a historical understanding by quoting the prophecy of Isaiah, which we heard today from the 40th chapter. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. And then we're introduced to this character of John the Baptist, the one who is sent to prepare the way. For what, or better, who was to come? John was found where most people would not have expected to hear a great prophet. He was not teaching in the temple alongside the priests and the scribes. He was not found on street corners in Jerusalem, the city that was the center of worship. No, John was in the wilderness. And the wilderness was a place that was feared. It was commonly understood that the demons inhabited the wilderness. It was a place of hardship and suffering. 
And John certainly is an interesting character. He's one of those people that you would question, this is God's representative of his work in the world? Surely he's the kind of character your mother would have warned you about. But he had a voice and he had a message that spoke into the lives of people in that time. In fact, we're told that people from the whole Judean countryside and all of the people from Jerusalem went out. But why? Because he was sent to prepare the way. But not in the way that we would normally think. What does it mean to prepare the way? Well, it certainly has different meanings depending on where this text finds you today. In the last weeks, we have certainly seen a lot of work here happen at the church in the sanctuary. We have seen the decorations go up, every attention to detail. The trees went up this week. So much has been done to prepare for Christmas. We have planned ahead for our Christmas Eve worship services, preparing for both in-person and virtual worship. Worship times have been decided who's doing what, we have opened up registrations for you to sign up for a pew at your favorite worship service. Bulletins will be done by the end of this week. And we are building at-home worship kits for those who want and need to stay safe and socially distant. The list of what we need to prepare is long. And I also have been trying to prepare for Christmas at home. We have decorated my yearly project of decorating our window boxes on our house and Marnie and the boys have decorated our four Christmas trees. Yes, I said four. <laughs> Yesterday we were supposed to have family pictures taken for that self-gratifying portrait that we get to send to all of our friends. However, we had a little snafu. My stylist messed up my haircut and he needed to take it all off. Marnie also had an allergic reaction and woke up with her eyes swelled shut yesterday. So maybe it's just the boys and the dog this year. Although I was encouraged by someone last night, oh, just take it. That's 2020. <laughs> and of course, the challenge this year of trying to find those just right gifts that keep eluding me. But all of this is commercial Christmas preparation. I was also thinking back that it was a year ago that we first heard about the coronavirus in China. And here we are a year later suffering this virus due to our unpreparedness. But how could we be prepared? We didn't know what we were dealing with. I appreciate the comment that was made at our COVID task force meeting a couple weeks ago that as culture, as the medical and scientific community, even us personally, the fluidity of what we have learned over the last eight to 10 months, that we are literally writing a new page in the book every day of how we deal with this. And at some point, we will get to look back with clarity of what we have learned, but there is no doubt that our daily learning and actions has exposed that we were most decidedly unprepared for this. In talking with other pastoral colleagues and medical and especially mental health professionals, we are also still anticipating a huge surge of effects from isolation, loneliness, depression, and anxiety. How do we prepare for that?
It would have been very easy for me today to step into this pulpit and give you a fire and brimstone sermon. A sermon that points out your faults, how you fail to trust God. Telling you that God will damn you to hell if you don't change your ways. Giving you something to do so that you can work off your guilt, so that you can provide penance to make you fear God's judgment. That would have been far easier. Is this why John was sent? To give you more to do? To raise up your anxiety? To make you question who God is in your life? To encourage you to pull up your bootstraps and to get to work? Is this why he was sent? Actually, no. This was not the message that John had. And it is not the message he speaks to us yet today. You see, John came to prepare the way of Christ's coming in quite a different message. I'll give you, it's not necessarily a real comfortable message to hear. And sometimes it still functions to motivate some of you to think you have to put skin in the game. You have to do something to gain God's favor. What John was preaching in the wilderness was a message of repentance and baptizing those that came out to see him for the forgiveness of sins. And for hundreds of years, God had sent the judges and the prophet to his people again and again with a message about their disobedience and how they had violated the laws and covenants that God had given to them. And this message was usually followed with a demand for change and the threat of God's punishment. So John's message wasn't entirely something new in repent. But also the understanding of ritual washing was also something not new to Jewish worshipers as they washed themselves in mikvahs, which is a giant bathtub, before they went up to worship at the temple. They, understand, they understood ritual washing, trying to remove their uncleanness. But John's message was different. Unlike many of the Old Testament prophets, while John was proclaiming repentance, what made his message entirely different was that John was also proclaiming the forgiveness of sin, then and there. It was proclaimed in the one that was to come. This was not something that the people had ever experienced. Even though they had gone to the temple and worshipped and sacrificed for absolution of their sins, they never had that actually declared to them. This was something new. What John is speaking is a message that finds you where you are in life, most specifically in your relationship with God, and it accuses you of being falsely self-reliant. It drives your self-righteousness to the surface. But John is not giving you more to do. He's not telling you how to be a better sinner. No, John's message of repentance is this. Stop. Turn around. Be quiet. And listen. Really listen. Because the good news is that Christ is already here. 
Because you are not prepared by what you do. You are prepared by the work of the Holy Spirit and by God's Word. In the explanation of the Apostles' Creed from the small catechism, Luther writes, I cannot by my own understanding or effort believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel. He has enlightened me with his gifts. He has sanctified and kept me in true faith. This is what John's message was about. That the Holy Spirit is sent in the voice of a preacher, which is those people that God has set on your path of life to speak this message into your ear again. And when our Lord Christ has your ear, he tells you this, you are forgiven. You. You are forgiven. For all the ways that you have not trusted my Father. For all the times you did not believe my word and my promise for you. For all of the ways that you have allowed yourself to trust other voices, voices that want to separate you from God and draw you from God, you are forgiven. And he says, so that you would know that this promise is specifically for you. You have been brought to the font, and I have claimed you as my child forever. And nothing can separate me from you. So that when the devil tries to whisper in your ear, you can say, I am baptized, I am a child of God on account of Christ. This is what it means to be prepared. It is not your work, it is Christ's work to prepare you. There's nothing for you to do. To be prepared is to have your ear opened and the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, spoken into it. In Advent, we watch and we wait. We watch and wait for Christ's coming again, but we declare in Advent that he has come. And Advent is the remembrance to a time before and a time after God came into our midst in the form of his Son, and we get to declare that Christ has already come for you. And that his promises come with him, and that is hope, and that is peace. We do not tell you, well, you have to wait. No, Christ has come to you today as he has promised. So now as you go back out in the wilderness of life, know this, that God's word and promise goes with you, and that is all the preparation that you need. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit to keep you in true faith. Thanks be to God. Amen.